This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. For Rob Hart, I'm Jim Goodis. Inflation doesn't appear to be cooling demand for high-end cars, and we'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the Federal Reserve expected to announce its fourth consecutive three-quarters of a point rate hike in interest rates in the next hour. And joining us to talk about that, David Jones, the chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. So... David, tell me what you're expecting from the Fed, which most of us are, and more importantly, why, and what we might expect from the Fed going forward. Well, I'm with you on that three-quarters of a point increase at the meeting today, uh, 75 basis points, as the street would say. Uh, But I think there's more in the cards. Um, I would bet that we probably will get another December rate hike. That meeting in December is around the middle of the month. Um, It might be slightly smaller, maybe half a percentage point or 50 basis points, but um, I don't think the Fed is uh, finished. I think the Fed wants to see clear and convincing evidence that inflation is receding, and so far that just hasn't been the case. I recall that our Fed chairman said, I think it was at his last meeting, that without price stability, the economy economy doesn't work. That's a strong statement. So I see more rate hikes in the cards, maybe even going into the spring of next year. Uh, Perhaps we'll hit 5% on that target rate by, uh, let's say, March of next year. I'm going to have you put on your advisor's cap from DMJ Advisors, and let's talk about what the Fed is doing. Is the Fed so far acting adequately? Is the Fed maybe going a bit too far too fast, or is the Fed not going fast enough? What would be your thoughts on that? Well, that's that's the key question. Um, The first point to make is this is really very much uncharted territory. The Fed's never been in a place like this. The Fed has never given us almost free credit for nearly a decade as we were getting out of the great credit crisis uh, of uh, 2007 to 2009. And then uh, coming into the pandemic, uh, we've never had a period like that. The street was used to big money in that uh, free credit environment. And the shock to Wall Street from the Fed's rate hikes is... uh, Significant. I think the Fed has has tried to make up for uh, the fact that it was way behind the curve in fighting inflation, should have started around the middle of last year, waited too long, and now they're trying to make up for it. And um, they are getting to a point where they're 
really getting very tight very fast. How thin is the line, though, between curbing inflation and starting a recession based on how we raise interest rates? Well, I think we're going to hear from the Fed today that uh, they're not planning on a recession. But if you pin the Fed down, they've got one objective in mind, and that is to see clear and convincing evidence of declining inflation. And if that means a recession, uh, I think the Fed would be willing to accept it. Although I don't think the Fed is betting on it. I think the Fed still dreams that it can get by with maybe sort of a soft landing as opposed to a recession. My bet is they won't be able to do that by the time they get to, let's say, a 5% funds rate target. I think it's almost guaranteed we'll have a recession of some significance sometime around the middle of next year. That's David Jones, the chairman of DMJ Advisors out of Denver and author of the book, Understanding Central Banking. Great to talk to you on a Fed meeting day. Always great insight. Coming up, the market for Ferrari automobiles remains hot. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Ferrari has raised its guidance for full-year revenue and profit as demand for the cars remains high. And let's talk to someone who's selling them and probably smiling as a result. Rick Mancuso, the owner of Ferrari of Lake Forest. So, Rick, how are Ferrari sales going? And uh, what are your customers telling you about uh, why you just can't seem to keep them from coming in and taking them off your lot? You know, things have been pretty unusual the last few years. We've had uh, probably a normal outstanding order bank previous to the last few years of around 100 cars that we're always waiting to have built in Marinello. The number as of this morning that we have outstanding waiting to be built is 377. So it's more than tripled our normal order bank. And we find that everyone is chasing a limited supply of cars. And the economic conditions of the last two years made a short supply situation even much shorter. Rick White, other than that, do you think that demand is up and why people are, even in times, you know, we were just talking about, you know, Fed rate increases and the potential for a possible recession. What do you think has customers saying, you know what, I want that Ferrari? I think historically what we've seen looking back, and we can look back over 40 years of being a Ferrari dealer in this area here in the Midwest, we have seen that when there's some disruption or some type of nervousness in the market, there seems to be more focus on what we call durables. And Ferrari falls into that category, such as art, collectibles, memorabilia, uh, classic cars. And in the classic cars, Ferrari just leads the ways. And that has kind of a shadow, a very positive shadow on our new car situation. So we get business from both ends. People looking at classic cars to make investments and people that just want to enjoy driving the cars on the newer side. So it's really an investment. You're looking at, you know, when normally we talk about the old adage of when you drive the car off the lot, the the value plummets. But a Ferrari in many ways is really oftentimes a, a more solid investment in the future. And even in some cases, you could end up uh, that car being worth more down the road than what you paid for it. Well, it's very true. For example, we sold a 1973 Ferrari Daytona about seven or eight weeks ago. That car is a new car in the 70s, was about $25,000. And that car traded for $680,000. 
Now, if you had held it the entire time, you would have had a lot of foresight just to hang on to it. You would need a lot of staying power just to hang on to it. But yes, the values can be baked in over time. They've been very strong and been very rewarding. I'm not saying that every Ferrari that you buy is going to go up in value. I think it's safer to say it will go down less than most other cars. And there are times when it may not go down at all. And there are times that it can go up. So what it usually doesn't do, and we've never seen this, a stock, for example, or some other item that's being traded could go to zero. Our product never goes to zero. That just never happens. So not only are you safe on the bottom end, but you also have the ability to drive it and enjoy it. It's kind of a therapy, too, in times like this. It's fun to drive. The key with a Ferrari is not going down to zero, but how fast it goes from zero to 60. Rick Mancuso, the owner of Ferrari of Lake Forest, great to talk with you and glad to hear things are going well. Up next, a strong dollar creates issues for international restaurant operator Yum Brands. Cashing in with conversation, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Yum Brands, parents of KFC, Pizza Hut, and Taco Bell, has released its latest earnings report. And let's see how they're doing as we check in with RJ Hadavi, the head of analytical research and foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI here in Chicago. So, RJ, how is Yum doing and why is it uh, doing as it's doing? together a pretty nice quarter um, and kind of deviated from what we've seen across a lot of the restaurant space. Um, What's going on in the restaurant space is a a lot of the chains have had uh, raise their menu prices. And because consumers have been fighting inflation on a number of fronts, whether it be food at the grocery store, gas, uh, rent costs, uh, we've seen an impact. We've seen visitation trends down for a lot of chains. Uh, But Yum! bucked that trend, particularly for its uh, KFC and Taco Bell brands. And I think it really just shows that in this environment, uh, value really does sell. The company talked about uh, its mac and cheese bowls at KFC, uh, talked about some of the value things they have at Taco Bell, value products that they have at Taco Bell, uh, doing very well. And so they uh, outperform a lot of the category. Uh, Now, one of their key competitors, McDonald's, also posted some pretty strong results. And I think some of that was due to some efficient marketing. Uh, as well as some of the values that they have too. But pretty strong quarter for the company and really just shows you how much value is at top of mind for consumers in this environment. Now, Yum, and in particular, I imagine KFC have an international presence as well. And with the strong dollar, how's that affecting them? Yeah, it's, they showed pretty strong results there too. And um, you know, while a strong dollar kind of hurts the results, uh, when it gets translated over, the uh, underlying results in these markets were actually quite strong for a lot of the same reasons that we saw in the U.S. Um, that you know, value proposition, uh, particularly in some of the European markets where we're also seeing uh, a lot of pressures on consumers, uh, also really helped address and outperformance and results there too. Now, there's some markets that were outliers and were underperformers, but generally speaking, they were pretty uh, pretty positive at least compared to other competitors across the globe uh, from a, from a sales and a profitability standpoint. So where do we see things going in the fast food sector? It's a, it's a great question, and it's been interesting to watch because as we started to see inflation really become um, you know, a, a bigger factor when consumers are making purchase decisions when going out to restaurants, uh, quick service restaurants performed very well. Our foot traffic showed that they were uh, the leading category compared to sit-down restaurants and fast casual restaurants. They were leading the way. But as these companies started putting in uh, more aggressive price increases to offset their own inflation pressures, uh, you know, what we started to see is that that gap compared to the other categories started to narrow. 
Uh, we're in an environment where a lot of chains have raised prices by 10, in some cases even 15% or more, and that's really starting to take its toll on a lot of uh, a lot of consumers. They don't have the bandwidth to afford this in this environment as well, and so value has really become top of mind. And I think those chains that are uh, are really focused on value are, are positioned to, to to outperform. Uh, you may have to sacrifice margins to do it, but I think right now keeping people coming through the doors is the most important thing. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what we shake out. Um, you know, there's still some more price increases that. Have, yet to come. And so I think as we look to the fourth quarter, unless you really focus on value or have something innovative like McDonald's did with some of their promotions, uh, it could be a tough environment for some of the quick service restaurants and with some of those customers trading down to convenience stores and, and other channels. That's R.J. Hovavy, the head of analytical research at foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI here in Chicago. Thanks, R.J. Still ahead on Personal Finance Wednesday, how the hike in interest rates could affect your financial plan. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. And for Rob Hart, I'm Jim Goodis. The Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. And these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Major pharmacy chains set to settle huge cases in the opioid crisis. President Biden will address what he sees as threats to democracy at an event tonight. On Personal Finance Wednesday, there are things you can do to reduce the effects of high interest rates. And the number of video streaming services has grown tremendously, leading to speculation about consolidation. Right now on Wall Street, the Dow's down 76, the S&P 500 down 26, and the Nasdaq is down 122 points. Again, plenty of sun this afternoon with a high of 72. Clear skies tonight down to 53, just a bit cooler in some of the outlying suburbs. And for tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 74. Right now under sunny skies, it's 66 at O'Hare at 1231. A massive agreement may settle thousands of opioid lawsuits around the country. Walgreens, Walmart, and CVS have reached a tentative $12 billion deal to settle several opioid cases from around the country. The settlement won't be final until a significant number of states, counties, and cities agree to it. The suits were launched by six state attorneys general across the country who said the pharmacy chains did not do enough to monitor opioid prescriptions. Opioids are blamed for more than a half million deaths around the country over the last couple of decades. There have been thousands of lawsuits filed. Cisco Coda, 105.9 WBBM. President Biden set to give a speech at a Democratic event in Washington this evening. Less than a week before the midterm elections, President Biden will continue a theme he raised in Philadelphia in September. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. The president scheduled to speak at an event in Union Station near the U.S. Capitol tonight, hosted by the Democratic National Committee. The president will address the threat of election deniers, they said, and those who seek to undermine faith in voting in democracy. White House Senior Advisor Anita Dunn tells Axios the president will be very clear tonight that he is speaking to people who don't agree with him on any issues. Campaigning for Democrats in Florida last night, Biden warned of the hundreds of candidates who have denied the legitimacy of the 2020 presidential election. Folks, This ain't your father's Republican Party. This is a different breed of cat. Jennifer King, Washington. It's 1232. 
money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, markets are in the red ahead of today's Fed announcement, and we're joined by Jim Awad, the Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors, LLC, out of New York. So, Jim, it's often tough to talk about the markets before a Fed announcement, but is there anything about where the markets are this afternoon even though we have not heard yet from the Fed, that is indicative of uh, what's going on right now, the fact that they are down uh, slightly. Yeah, down modestly, uh, only as a, a protective measure against what, what could be a disappointing uh, uh, press conference. Look, everybody knows they're going to, they're going to uh, highly likely they're going to raise by 75. The question is, what are they going to say in the, um, uh, in, in, the, in the minutes, so to speak, the press release, and what's he going to say in the press conference? And there are two issues. Number one, what is the terminal rate going to be, i.e., how high are they going to take short-term rates? Uh, uh, and secondly, how fast are they going to get there? Are they going to do it gradually so that they, they can measure the effects as they go along? Or are they going to do it uh, uh, suddenly to really uh, knock the heck out of inflation um, uh, w- with power? And you don't know what he's going to say, but you have to you have to bet that with the economy basically is still pretty strong. Two thirds of the economy is the service sector. Uh, that's powering through. Talk to the airlines, talk to the hotel companies, talk to the restaurants. People are going out and experiencing things. The the good side, uh, the manufacturing side is mixed and slowing, but that's only 15 percent of the economy. So I think the odds are he's going to keep the pedal to the metal. They're going to keep the pedal to the metal. I don't think they want a big rally in the markets because that loosens financial conditions and they want tighter financial conditions that will slow the economy and squeeze inflation. So, Jim, your thoughts on how the Fed has done. Has has the Fed uh, followed the right course in the way it has dealt with interest rates and what we are sort of expecting going forward? Though, again, we still have to wait for that guidance. Or is there any thought that they may have not done enough or maybe gone a bit too far? Your thoughts? Well, well we know in the rearview mirror they were awful. Uh, uh, they, they waited to see the eyes of inflation and were too easy for too long. Uh, and now they're desperately trying to regain their uh, their credibility. Uh, the risk is that they keep marching to to keep marching, and we find out later that something in the financial plumbing breaks, uh, or that uh, all of a sudden the economy. You know, these these rate increases occur with a lag. Uh, they affect the economy with a lag. And incrementally, so it's sort of like putting bricks on the shoulder of a person. Uh, the risk is that all of a sudden that person collapses. But I really think they have no choice uh, uh, but to keep going. The question is, can they moderate the pace? And I think they should moderate the pace so that they can have an escape hatch if all of a sudden they find that things are weaker than they appear now. So hopefully this will be the last 75 and then maybe 50 in December, and then we'll see how the Christmas season is. All right, that's Jim Awad, the Senior Managing Director at Clear State Advisors, LLC, out of New York. Thanks, Jim. Always great information. Up next on Personal Finance Wednesday, money strategies designed to survive high interest rates. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. On Personal Finance Wednesday, we're looking at things you can do to survive periods of high interest rates. And to talk about it, Craig Bolanos, the founding partner and chief executive officer at Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. So I guess there are a few ways that you can react to interest rates. And I guess the one that probably comes to mind first, Craig, is credit cards and borrowing. What's your advice there? 
Oh, my heavens, this is a big deal. The four three-quarter basis point hike is about to happen. It's here, and you're darn right. With those credit cards, they're insanely sensitive to higher rates. I mean, we're seeing the APR on cards now approach the dreaded 19% when it started at a much more benign or soft rate earlier this year. So everyone needs to tackle their debt get to a 0% APR card, or look for some consolidation in order to get through this time period. And what are some tips on doing that? Because that makes perfect sense, but sometimes the goal isn't as easy as the path to reach that goal. I know it's not easy. In fact, I would argue it's American to have some level of credit card debt. We all do it. We're all great consumers. But at the end of the day, you just have to commit to positive change. And the first step for positive change is to start telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. So that means you have to have a budget. And if you create a budget, then you're going to be able to free up some cash and follow what I call the snowball method to pay off those debts and finally get out of the financial hangover that is high interest rates that are only going higher on those credit cards. All right. The other thing we think about when interest rates go up is buying a house and mortgage rates. What's some advice there? Well, I think there everyone needs to be really careful and pause. You know, the balance of power has certainly transitioned. In 2020 and 2021, all the power was for what we call the sellers. Now we're seeing it even out between sellers and buyers. And I would think once we get past Super Bowl Sunday, 2023, it's definitely going to be a buyer's market again. And I think what buyers need to do is they need to be very careful in today's marketplace and shop, shop more than ever, because I am seeing an incredible variation in 30-year mortgage rates from company A to company B. So more so than ever, shop for the best TNC. That's the best terms and conditions to get a piece of paper. That's a mortgage rate and an amortization schedule that's customized to you and your family. Now, how's the best way to do that? Because obviously, as you say, you know, terms and conditions are important, but they vary. I mean, some people may benefit from one type of loan. Others might benefit from another type of loan. And you know, if you're not really an expert on, on that sort of thing, it, it could be a bit confusing. So what's the best way to tackle that? Well, I think, you know, a big part of everyone's financial ecosystem is real estate. It's still that dream of the American home. And what I encourage everyone to do in making a determination of whether a 15-year or a 30-year, whether it's a fixed rate or an adjustable rate, as an editorial, I'm not a big fan of interest-only mortgages. Those are making a comeback, though, because of home affordability. I think people can work with a dedicated advisor. That's their certified financial planner. That's their CPA. And just have a plan as to where that house fits ultimately in their retirement and college education plans. And when you know where that house fits and you know how that payment fits in, you can be a little bit more intentional with how you structure the financing. All right. And one bit of good news when interest rates go up is it's, I understand, I would think, great news for savers. A lot more opportunities to make some money on the money you put away. You know, this isn't just good news. This is like great news. This is more than a silver lining. Let's unpack it. Number one, you've got money market rates, the likes of which I haven't seen since 2006. I've got short-term treasury rates, three-month, six-month treasuries with yields that I haven't seen since my kids were born. And away from that, don't forget, 
It's not necessarily tied to interest rates. It's been tied to inflation. For all the savers out there, take a look at those Series I savings bonds. The rates just renewed on November 1st, and there's so many attractive places for savers today to store their cash without having to apologize because low rates, no moss, low rates, no more. People can get competitive yields on safe money for the first time in what feels like a lifetime. Greg Bolanos, the founding partner and chief executive officer at Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, always great to talk to you, especially on a day like today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, why there could be some victims of the streaming wars. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. With so many streaming services now offering programming, the possibility of some mergers or buyouts is growing. And let's talk about that with Tom Layson, the media analyst at on Twitter at Tom Layson out of Seattle. So, Tom, just wondering, what are we looking at in terms of the future of streaming? I mean, there is a lot of competition out there. And uh, oftentimes, you know, I'll sit there in the evening and go, all right, which one of these am I watching tonight? Uh, so what is going to be the future of streaming in your eyes? I, I really think that consolidation is, is where we're at. As we see headwinds um, coming along for advertising revenues and margin pressure on the streaming and broadcast side on both ends of those businesses, um, with cord cutting happening on the broadcast side, you know, you take a look at Paramount. Um, their revenues are up 5% this year, but on television cable um you know they're 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 suffering there um this ota services are seeing growth but there's going to be a limit to that there's going to be winners and losers there's going to be consolidation you know you look at any market and i don't care if you're talking about airlines or pizzas or car brands or whatever it is there's typically room in this in this system for two or three best of breed major players and I, and I think there's little doubt that that's what's going to be happening over time. We may see some hybridization of that where instead of just get, getting folded into another service, a streamer decides, you know, something, we'll sell a couple of our hit shows and keep them available a la carte to drive a little revenue instead of getting swallowed up. But um, we're going to see consolidation. We're going to see some change because between production costs and licensing costs, and the clunkiness of the interface for the consumer, um, where, we're, where we're at now clearly isn't sustainable. Tom, is, are there certain streamers that make better matches with other streamers or that we might say, okay, this is where we might think that, uh, okay, here's where there's some consolidation or elsewhere in the broadcast streaming market? Yeah, I think so. You know, there's going to be there's going to be a, obviously sports is a place where there's going to be a leader that emerges both on fantasy and on live broadcast sports. Um, you know, I think somebody can cover that square, um, one square there and be successful, uh, one or two squares. But it's a matter of looking a, across the OTA services, seeing how that how or if their libraries and their hit productions complement or compete with each other. And um, I think that'll be part of the calculus. I really don't have enough of a crystal ball to say who merges with who and what we end up with. But again, I don't think it takes a, you know, a, a brilliant media analysis to, to say that where we're at now with too many choices, too many interfaces, too much of a, of a clunky problem for the consumer between billing and subs and everything else and just remembering your passwords. That something that this this has always been a transitional technology from cable, and um, I wouldn't see be surprised to see 
all of this fold back into more of a cable-style a la carte service at some point. That's Tom Layson, media analyst out of Seattle. You can check him out on Twitter at Tom Layson. Tom, thanks as always. Great perspective on a very complex and sometimes confusing world, the world of streaming TV. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.